Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. going on you guys are listening to nickish you got your boys mo and Nafi here on this early saturday morning june 5th 2021 we're a couple of days removed from the Knicks season being over but we're here to talk about it you know thoughts on the playoff series and a couple of our favorite moments from this 2021 season a lot you know a lot to talk about and you know we got the off season coming up so a few thoughts on that that's what this episode is going to be about what's going on man how you feeling today Feeling good, honestly. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, we just went out kind of kind of weak in the playoffs, but you know, push it in perspective. Like, it doesn't take away from like an amazing season we had. So, just kind of excited to actually like talk about the season as a whole, not just the playoffs. Like, obviously, we'll touch on that, but just also kind of give due credit to the kind of the team. You know what I mean? Because like they blew us all away. So, I mean, I feel like this is going to be a proper kind of season in review slash eulogy for the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, give, like, a poetic little send-off as the season gets put in the grave. But, yeah, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Just a quick disclaimer for, for those of you guys listening. We did have an episode before this one, uh, which got corrupted. The file got corrupted, so we couldn't upload it. It was our games three and four review so we did talk about it you know some a couple of l's there um yeah we wasn't and, running from and, the, the l's you know what i mean we was very uh, very okay. lively episode that like we kinda... it was a good fucking episode it was a good episode we, we had a we broke it down a lot and it's, a, it's just a damn shame that the file got corrupted facts like and i don't think i had we, rants we upload it. i don't think i had rants that fiery since cancer was on the team you know what i mean so man the emotion a little figure. tempered down now but hey we still got the analysis <laughs> you figure after like a hundred episodes, we we get this shit down pat, but no, shit happens. Um, but you know, we'll we'll make sure that some of our analyses that were done, those episodes are brought up again today. We did talk a lot about the postseason in that episode, so we'll that's that's really why we're talking about it today. But let's get into the series. Um, the Hawks beat the Knicks four one. Um, Trey Young is a beast. As much as we might dislike the guy, don't you can't hate the player. The player knows exactly what he's doing. He is calculated, he's cold, and he is going to be running, you know, as one of the top teams of the East for, for at least a couple more years. Um, the Hawks were a team before the season started that we expected to be good because they, they, they dropped a lot of money on their players. They got they signed Gallo, they signed Bogdanovich, they, they had a couple other players. Um, and we expected Trey to make that leap. He is an all-star player, and, you know, Earlier in the season, they weren't playing well, but once they got Nate McMillan, former head coach of the Pacers, everything turned around, and that really kept going in the playoffs, and we saw it firsthand. Swarming defense all around Randall um, and yeah. our other players, our star players, and you know, just the offense was something that the Knicks, a top three ranked defense, couldn't stop. You know, three point or three point bomb left and right everywhere, and you know, the last game. It wasn't. It wasn't that close. Second half, they they came away with with the W pretty pretty easily, unfortunately. But um, just just for for the Hawks standpoint, we mentioned Trey. I'm sure there's another player or two that you want to give some due credit to for being a reason why they were able to come away with this victory. I mean, 
before we get to that, I want to give credit to Nate McMillan as well. Like, I feel like if the Hawks franchise is serious about actually like being legitimate going forward, they got to give that man the job. You know what I mean? Because the best way I could put it is Lloyd Pierce, the coach they had before Nate McMillan, that was it for David Fisdale, basically. So like what we had in an entire offseason where Fisdale got fired, we had that Mike Miller era, and then we had Tibbs come in, build his culture over like a nine-month offseason. This man, Nate McMillan, did it like mid-season, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Lloyd Pierce got fired. Nick McMillan, who I always thought was an underrated coach, and I remember in a previous episode, it might have been after game two, uh, you had mentioned how, like, his playoff record isn't really up to par. He hasn't really won a first-round series until now, you know? But despite that, I always thought he was an underrated kind of coach because he's the type of coach that, like, did exactly what he did with the Atlanta Hawks. He'll get you, he'll get the squad disciplined, like, it might not be the prettiest, most high-flashy, like, kind of offense, because that's literally why the Pacers got rid of him. They didn't like how, like, the lack, kind of the lack of crea- creativity he had with his offenses, you know what I mean? But for a young team like the Hawks, like, similar to how Tibbs came in and established a program and kind of, okay, no, these are going to be our core key principles. We're going to stick to these, and it's going to bring us success. That's what Nick McMillan did with the Hawks, so i got to give him credit. Um, cause he definitely should not have lost that job, first of all, with the Pacers, cause, right. I mean, that's a, this is a side, side note, but you see what happened with the Pacers, right? Apparently that coach is a psychopath or whatever. He's, uh-huh. like, yeah, right. he's like, like <laughs> nice on the outside or whatever, but then he's like blows up on everybody. I was like, th- they have that? Like, how do you get this far? You know what I mean? Like, how do you get that, get, get to the highest level when you literally seem like not mentally right in the head, but back to the, the Hawks and... Yeah, I mean, I got to echo what you said about Trey Young as well. Like, I was never one of those folks that thought he was, like, a scrub or whatever. It's just he's the best player on the opposing team. We're going to shit on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, but despite that, though, it's, I never, like, he even blew my kind of expectations away. I thought we would be able to kind of handle him a little bit, but, like, even through, yeah. just throughout the entire five-game series, like, when I talk about getting outclassed, I feel like Trey just kind of was at ease throughout the entire series. Like, like that little, like, bump Noel gave him at halftime the other night, you know what I mean? That was probably, like, the most resistance that, like, I felt like he had, really. I mean, we tried Reggie on him, you know. Um, we, tried tr- uh, we tried Frank on him for, like, <laughs> a minute at the end of a game. Was it even a minute? You know what I mean? Legit, like, 10 seconds. And it's just like, hats off to the Hawks. You know what I mean? Like, we, I went in confident. I mean, the, I, I even said it in that prediction episode. I was like, the rational part of me is, like, on Nixon 6. But I was, like, cocky. I was like, yeah, fuck it. We got these guys in 5. But, you know, I I was aware of the idea that, like, oh, the Tibbs advantage of, like, trying harder than everybody would evaporate in the playoffs. You know what I mean? But I also yeah. kind of almost underrated the type of, shot creation that Atlanta had because when you have a defense like ours that kind of let's be honest like the nerds and the dorks were talking about how oh the Knicks are getting kind of lucky with the defense because they're giving up open threes they're just not hitting them and like my response or the most kind of coherent response to that was like they're getting they're getting the open threes the Knicks want them to take and it's not like we're like leaving them wide open we're still scrambling to get over there and put a hand up you know what I mean like but with a team like the Hawks, with the kind of money they put into their roster, like with Gallo, uh, Bogdanovich, I mean, they even spent money on Chris Dunn, but he was like, he was their Alfred Payton team, like he didn't come off the bench this series, like, mm-hmm. so, but like, despite that, it's, it kind of shows the value of, like, when we had our kind of Reggie Bullock conversation, I don't know if this was in the, the episode we lost or the one prior, but Reggie is a shooter, kind of spot up guy, but he's not like an elite shooter, 
he'll give you solid defense but not elite defense. But he's not like one of those guys that you could what you need in the playoffs, like dribble, pass, and shoot. You know what I mean? That's like the cliche I get thrown out a lot. Um, Warriors GM Bob Myers says like that's what you need. You need to have versatility in the playoffs, basically. Draymond, I'm, I brought this quote up. He was just like, some guys aren't 16 game players, aka they're not built for the playoffs. The Hawks had like you know Trey Young, obviously they had Bogdanovich, who like if he's not spotting up, you know what I mean? Like he'll be able to take you off the dribble. He'll be able to pass. You know what I mean? Um, same with Gallo. Like I clowned him for being kind of like a a new age Ryan Anderson, but he he came alive and. Say what you will about his ugly-ass drives, but for like a decade now, he'll get to the rim and get fouls. Like, he was, he's always been elite at drawing fouls because he just looks like such an awkward, like, slow-moving, like, gangly, long-limbed, like, um, slightly racist-looking motherfucker. Now, <laughs> is, is that haircut, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but yeah, hats off to the Hawks. Um, where they were last year, I feel like where we were going to be this season, where they had like a promising young all-star. Obviously, our all-star is a lot older. Not a lot older, but he's a good few years older than Trey Young was last summer. I'm talking about Julius, right? And we'll get to his performance, but I feel like we're going in with Matt Cap's face, just like Atlanta had Matt Cap's face last summer, and they spent it. And, you know, obviously, they with them spending that much, it led to kind of the chain reaction of Nate McMillan getting the spot because... They had so many expectations and they were so ass with Lloyd Pierce because of the money they spent. They had to get rid of him when they put Nate in and then boom, like the money they spent started to actually pay, pay dividends. You know what I mean? So I think we're in that spot now where we got like a, I mean, we had like a low payroll, I think, this season. Right now we're going in, we got like a the very most, low payroll. Yeah, exactly. We got like the most cap space. So like, I mean, the Knicks fans have been saying it all, all year. We're not even supposed to be here, bro. Like we... Vegas had us as the worst team in the league, and many Knicks fans would like. We, there was like few and far between anybody that would argue against that. You know what I mean? And if anybody had any kind of optimism going into the season, they was clowned thoroughly across the online like community and just like in person. Because like I didn't see it. You know, like it's been said too many times that we wanted to get rid of Julius, but I think it's it. You know, credit to the Atlanta Hawks is basically my long way of getting here. But yeah, I mean, you wanna? Yeah, yeah God, God. So, we mentioned Trey. Uh, you mentioned a couple other guys like Bogdanovich. I think, you know, the second most important player on that Hawks team has got to be Clint Capella. I oh, think he facts, was. Facts. He, there could be points made that he was probably the biggest reason why we lost. And mm. a lot of focus had to be made on him to make sure those pick and rolls didn't lead to easy baskets. And uh, he, he did get six, you know, six baskets the last game, 14 points, no, uh, and only two free throws. A lot of them were lob passes. And. This guy probably led both teams in rebounding all five games. I know he definitely did in the last game with 15 rebounds. And his opposition was either Todd or Noel. And Noel, as great as he's been all season for a guy that we picked up with, with question marks and not sure of what his role would be, he's got like 20, 30 pounds on him, Clint, Clint Capella. And just that body um, was able to wreak so much havoc for the Knicks and not be able to get those second baskets, second opportunities, um, and allow the Hawks to get more opportunities. Clint Capella, man. That, and for guys, and I made a tweet about yeah, this. Yeah, I was just for people that thinking that to you, bro. For yeah. yeah, for people who think that Mitchell Robinson is expendable, you got to look at Clint Capella. He, is, he and Rudy Gobert are the easiest reasons to see why a player like Mitchell Robinson is so valuable in the NBA. Fact. You need a player like that who you don't need to score 15, 20 points a game, dishing out five assists, someone who's just going to man the paint, get as many rebounds, block shots, and give easy lobs, and surround him with a lot of shooters, have a star player surround that guy with a lot of shooters. That's basically the Hawks' blueprint. 
and that's what they're doing. And facts, you know what I mean? Correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Was there was a team a couple of years back where they hired the coordinator for they hired somebody from the Warriors, and they're trying to re, uh, trying to create their blueprint. Was it the Hawks? It was the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lloyd it was Pierce. the Hawks. So that's so that's kind of. Was he from? I the, forgot who it was. No, no, Lloyd I Pierce. Lloyd Pierce is from uh, Philly, but their GM Travis Slanky or whatever the hell his name is, he was from the Warriors, and he was trying to recreate there that. Kevin Herter was going to be so there. Clay Thompson, Trey Young was obviously exactly. their staff, and they got half that right. I mean, so yeah, they they <laughs> had a vision, and they're they're working through with it, and you know, it just goes to show that sometimes, or at least for the playoffs, offense is, you know, might arguably be more important than defense. I want to say that it's about balance, though. You know what I mean, if I could, just it is about balance, you know I mean? but because their defense, you know, ever saying, since McMillan took over, their defense went into like, like they were kind of in that top ten range. You know what I mean, and then he got their offense organized. You know what I mean, like it was like, like I said, it was a creative, but like he got them to their basic principles. Like, yo, we're gonna evolve or revolve around Trey's pick and roll game with Capella, and the shooter's gonna feed off that. You know what I mean? But yeah, just want to throw it back to you because I feel like they were. They're a lot more balanced than like I thought they would be, but yeah, just didn't want to like, yeah, interject with that. Yeah, no, no, all good. Um, I was making this point before the playoffs started because my concern was that the Knicks are so good defensively, but they're not as good offensively. But come playoff time, everybody is at least solid on defense, and it becomes a team defensive uh, kind of strategy. And that's that's what the Hawks did. They have swarming defense. Can we say that the Hawks defense is better than the Knicks? I don't think so. But because they have a better offensive strategy and offensive coordination, better offensive players overall, they were able to come away with W relatively easily. The Knicks, you know, once Randall couldn't get it going, that was that was really it, and he's the best player on the team. Um, you know, shout out to D Rose because he was able to do it. Um, R J Bear a couple of games was able to do it, but um, and we'll get into it later when we talk about the off season. But the Knicks got to figure out offensively how they want to approach it next season because defensively they had a group of players who were not that good last year who were able to be a top three ranked defensive team. I think that's and, that's the thing about the D though. It's like and it, like it goes to the point about Tibbs getting guys to just buy in and play with that relentless effort. I think that obviously contributed and manifested itself more so on the defense. But then we don't really have guys that we consider lockdown stoppers other than Frank and Tibbs don't want to even play play Frank. I mean we got guys like mm-hmm. that all bought in in a team construct but that aren't like individual lockdown guys. And in the playoffs, I feel like, like, yeah, no, no doubt the offense was a major issue and why we, we got South class. But it's also like our defense wasn't there to stop Atlanta anyway. I mean, I feel like they got every shot that they wanted. All they had to do was just, like I said, dribble, pass, and shoot until the one guy got free and got the open shot or they got a capella a lob or, you know what I mean? Like, I think that comes down to the fact that we need to actually, yeah, we need shot creators and playmakers, but we also might need to kind of invest in, like, elite defensive wings you know what i mean like and that's mm-hmm. obviously it's not like they grow on trees but it's like that's why i'm kind of hesitant to pay somebody like reggie because he's a perfect regular season player and I, i'm not even going to say he's not a playoff player because i think ideally he would come off the bench you know what i mean like he would yeah. be like a 20 25 minute kind a of bench player. player yeah exactly you yeah. know i mean not like your starter who you're counting on like hey go defend right. the best player and like reggie ain't that dude and like i love reggie the, the person and like what he brings to the team and just the season he had, obviously, like no knock on him, but it's just like calling a spade a spade. You know what I mean? So I think, obviously, the offense is an issue. We're, we'll get to Julius, and so we can get to that right now. But I want to touch on your Mitch point as well. Like if we had Mitch, that's the guy I would say is like the elite defensive chops that like was getting consistent playing time because he was an anchor, bro. He cut out the the, the fouling bullshit, 
everybody talked about this. Every Knicks fan knows that like he got more discipline with when he would block shots. He wasn't like mm-hmm. he wasn't like Hassan Whiteside out there just trying to block everything just to get his stats up so he could get a bag. You know what I mean? Like Mitch took to he the was having his best season. Facts. Mitch took to the coaching and he 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 applied the principles that the coaches you know placed on him or like instilled in him. You know what I mean? Like he was. Like I said, he was playing with discipline, and that's a major thing we wanted from him. And it's tough that the injuries happen, but to your point, like, bro, like this kind of like the this the segment of Knicks fans that just want to downplay Mitch's importance and his skill and what he is. Like people were saying he was damn near replaceable. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you could get a guy like that. I was like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? It was just like the same way a decade ago. It feels like deja vu the way people would underrate Tyson Chandler, bro. Like, I was, that would yeah. infuriate me back in the day. I was like, you fucking casuals. You don't see what Tyson brings to the roster. It's no surprise that as soon as we got Tyson, our defense went from, like, garbage to elite, and we won, like, 54 games at, with him as not only a focal point and anchor of the D, but him being like, oh, okay, Melo's going to cook, but everything else is going to revolve around Tyson being the pick-and-roll threat, and we got shooters, yeah. you know what I mean? And what happened? Like, t- a decade later... Atlanta killed us that way, and obviously they got a better playmaker. They got they got Trey Young instead of you know Raymond Felton. But point stands. They had Capella in there, and he exemplified exactly what we want from Mitch. He was out there just like I'm not even mad that he talked shit. Like yeah, it annoyed me, but like yo, when you beat us this thoroughly, especially the last three games, you can talk your shit. That's what sports is about. You know what I mean? Like you, they humbled us, and now we gotta get better from it. And Mitch, like bro, it would I'm not saying we would have won with him out there, but it would have been different. You know what I mean? Because 100%. God bless Tosh. He balled his ass off. But if he's like, if you're one of your top two best playoff performers or a 35-year-old backup big man, you screwed the pooch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like Noel, <laughs> like, like yo, he's, he'll block the shit out of anything, but he's just, you saw what happens with his skinny frame. You know what I mean? I don't know if this was in the, like, like again, I don't know if this is in the episode we lost or in the previous episode, but you see how big the East is now? You got Brooke Lopez, big as hell. You got Giannis, obviously. You got Embiid. You know what I mean? Simmons is is, is big and like primarily paint oriented. You got Bam. Bam. These guys are all like brawlic big dudes, and that's why having Mitch, like, I want to keep him for the long haul because like Noel, he's a nice backup, but he's scrawny out there. It's like he's just, he doesn't he doesn't want to get brawlic at all. You know what I mean? Because I don't know, maybe he 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 favors his mobility for blocking shots over than like the bulk. But in the playoffs, you saw how like, I mean, yeah, he had a bum ankle, but. Even before that injury, he was getting tossed around, bro. You know what I mean? Like, he was... And he can't catch shit. Like, his hands are garbage. It's like, there's <laughs> yeah, no point right. throwing an alley-oop. And that's another thing. Like, I always brought... I'm like a nerd because it always stuck in my mind. With Spolstra, he had this quote like a decade ago about Tyson Chandler. He's like, he gives the Knicks vertical spacing. Mitch was the only big man on our roster you could say that about because he's an actual lob threat. So when IQ yeah. or D-Rose go in and they got... the they got the floater going. You got not only the threat of the floater, but you also got the threat of an alley oop. You know what I mean? So like, as a defender, you don't know which one to switch because they both look the same coming off their hand. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know whether the guy behind you is able to handle Mitch. And a lot of times, like people say, all he can do is dunk. But you watch these playoffs, bro. Like, we have no athleticism. We had no athleticism out there aside from Obi. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, Mitch, when he's on there, he tilts the game in our favor in terms of athleticism. It's that overwhelming because he's fucking everywhere on defense. His mobility in terms of lateral quickness to stay in front of shooters and perimeter players, that's rare. You know what I mean? Obviously, him being in the paint. And then, like, he's a total package of what you want from big men nowadays in the modern era. Like, I, I brought this up in a previous fucking 
many episodes, honestly, where we go off on Mitch and defend his honor. But, like, mm-hmm. motherfuckers that are, like, fucking... I saw fucking... Someone Nick's Twitter called them, like, 90s R&B Twitter. The old heads that just can't get out of their, their old head mentality. <laughs> <laughs> they get, they want their big men to be, like, oh, yeah, 25 and 10. Like, get throw them the ball in the post. Let, let, them, let them do the shimmy and the fucking, like, dream shake. Like, yo... Please <laughs> go go listen to your Aaliyah records or whatever the fuck Boys to Men records and leave like the modern <laughs> basketball analysis alone to like yeah. us people like the millennial generation. You know what I mean? Because the the way Mitch is being downplayed by so called like Knicks fans and people that like would I self identify as like you know basketball purists that shit pissed me off to no end. And like that tweet, it was so simple but it was so perfect. The one you put out on our account, it was just like. See, <laughs> basically, see, like, look at everything. This series would have, like, not. I'm not, like I said, I'm not guaranteeing a win, but it would change the complexion of the series, bro. And yo, I hope, like, it was a gift and a curse with the Mitch injury. I hope we keep him, and I think we will, just because like it ruined his leverage. Honestly, he got two major injuries this season, and he's. I don't think. I mean, he's got to demand. What do you bag. What do you think about his What do you think about his most recent uh, IG post? Because. We I mean, know the like one thing that, that Mitch has is just, like, these cryptic little messages that just get annoying. <laughs> and then you got, like, if you say that in New York City with Knicks fans, everybody's going to be speculating what the hell he means. Yeah. So, obviously, I think it means that he thought he was going to get in the game somehow, some way, maybe get a couple of minutes or get some run in. Um, and, you know, he didn't. So, what? obviously, it's complete speculation. What do you think happened? I think he wanted to play. I think his people... I don't know who his people are anymore. He has like a different agent every week. Well, who the fuck knows? Like, it's it's definitely not Clip Club, Rich Paul. You know what I mean, and that's a whole different other issue we could talk about in the summer when I guess negotiations become public. But I think his people, or maybe even some personal doctors he went to, thought he would be able to like return for the series. The Knicks were like, nah. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to do that. Like, we're not even supposed to be here. Why are we going to put you out there like we're a finals contender? Which I, I get. Like, if it was like... They a, did hint at it, though. Yeah. That, they, that they, he might get some run. I mean, that's the thing. I think uh, Tibbs had said, like, in the post games, like, if we make it to round two, then, yeah, we could talk about Mitch coming back. But he was saying, like, he's he's working his way back. And Bagley... He was a, he was a game-time decision. No, that's the thing. I even looked that up. Four. I went to Bagley's yeah. timeline. That was, like, apparently it was false. It was, like, some, like, non- unverified uh. shit. Bagley was like, nope, Mitch is out tonight, and he's out for the foreseeable future. And I trust Ian Bagley, not with my life, but with Nick's, Nick's news. <laughs> but <laughs> with the thing... Well, I'm glad. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean, shit, I don't know. Ian seemed like a decent I mean, dude. He, I mean, Ian's a good guy. Oh, facts, facts. You know what I mean? Like, you know what? I trust Ian with my life. Fuck it. Um, shit, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so, like... I think that's what it was. I think this whole ambiguous social media posting, that's just who ditches. Like, that's, he matured on the court. It's just off the court we got to worry about now. You know what I mean? So I think maybe that'll come with time. He always seemed like a goof. Like, you seen the Knicks gave him his own, like, talk show on the website. Yeah, it's he, actually mad entertaining. It's mad funny. <laughs> he he got, like, the whole deadpan dry humor thing down, and I don't even think he realized it. He's unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> like, yo, I want to keep Mitch so bad. But I think that's just a maturity thing, and I think, he wanted to play, which obviously if you're a competitor and you think you're close, you know, you think you know your body, and obviously everybody knows their own body, you know what I mean? But you guys trust the experts, and I feel like the organization itself, it's similar to, like, the Jeremy Lin situation where at, at that point, I didn't, I was like, that's smart we're keeping Lin out because at that point in that time, remember in that Miami series, he was getting shit from, like, the beat reporters, like, oh, he's not willing to fight to go play. I was like, mm-hmm. he just had a season. He need, he's we're, At that point, we all thought we were going to keep him, right? So why are we going to force him to play out there on, like, a bum meniscus well, we're going to pay him the money this summer. And that didn't happen. But the mentality at the time was like, 
he's an asset for the future. Why ruin the chances in the short term? Right. You know what I mean? When we weren't really a contender back then. We are in the playoffs, but not a contender. Same principle here, except we're a younger squad that had zero expectations going in. You know what I mean? We were playing with a house money. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. What's wild is that, you know, Mitch's source was probably the same source that we saw. <laughs> like, all these like all these NBA players, they don't find out that they're traded until they see it on Twitter. They, like, they see Shams tweeting, and they're like, oh, fuck. Like, they don't – a lot of them mentioned they don't get the heads up beforehand. So, honestly, he probably saw the same tweet that we all saw. He's like, oh, I bet it's a, it's a wrap. I want to be in the game tonight. Yeah. And then he finds out later when he calls up, you know, Tibbs. He's like, Tibbs, like, nah. Like, he's, you're staying home, boy. M- Mitch is – Gen Z and like we thought remember when we was growing up you would get clowned for being on the internet too much you know like Gen mm-hmm. Z is like they are the internet they're one with the internet you know what I mean there's no such thing as clowning somebody on the internet you know what I mean so like they're terminally online so like Mitch probably did see that shit he's like yo I'm supposed to be playing he probably hit up his agent and he called the wrong number because he hit up like his the agent from like three agents ago you know what I mean like Mitch I told you to lose my number you know what I mean <laughs> he's like oh fuck I gotta go get my shoes now <laughs> I had to run back home <laughs> Basically, so I mean, <laughs> that's a maturity thing, and I, you know what, I ain't even really, I ain't really tripping about his ambiguous posts because I think the other day, I think that day he just pulled like the eyeball emojis when like that gate, the the fucking, the game time decision post came out. I was like, God damn it, Mitch, why are you doing that? Cause, he had something, he had something else. I think the the last game he posted something. I forgot what it was. But it was something along the lines of that. Yeah, I mean, all I know is Twitter because like whatever he posts on IG gets posted on Twitter, and I don't have an IG, so I just got to rely off like secondary, but. We just got to keep Mitch. That's that's long and short of it. But mm-hmm. if you want to kind of, I feel like this is a good segue. Like Mitch's absence, I feel like had a direct effect on our main guy, on Julius. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that, and I could throw it right back to you after this, but like with Julius's performance, we kind of touched on an ad nauseum. And that last game was infuriating, bro. He was, I don't, I don't know if it was because it was the moment, the high pressure moment. But he was literally playing like 2019 Julius. Like, no decisiveness, just kind of clumsy. Like, playing a dumbass, basically. Like, literally last year, you could hear us probably, like, even in my response to Julius this season, I was just like, he play, like it, it, it taught me the lesson of, like, don't rely on people with zero basketball IQ. I was that low on Julius, you know what I mean? He played like that again after kind of the season of goodwill he had. And I'm not shitting on him too much because... Obviously, it was his first playoff series. Obviously, they're treating him like he's fucking LeBron. You know what I mean? The, the kind of way they overloaded the defense. But I think Mitch's absence, we talk about the vertical spacing, the lob threat. When you don't have that guy to care about, Capella could just sit his ass in the paint. You know what I mean? Like, it's the whole spacing thing we talked about with Alfred. Like, even if we got rid of Alfred, we still don't really have a threat at center, especially with a bum Noel and, you know, like I said, God bless Taj. But it's not like he's out there like... Yo, Taj about to just catch his oop and just, like, throw it down. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's done that this decade. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I think that, Maybe in the 90s. Exactly. So, I feel like Julius, when he's making his reads out there, it's playoff defense, it's tighter. You know what I mean? Um, and he, he lacks Mitch out there. And people talk about how, like, oh, our offense and defense still maintain a good pace and efficiency when he got injured. But that's the regular season. You know what I mean? It's different in the playoffs, as Julius will tell you. So... I guess that's one, one of the major reasons I feel like he underperformed. One of, and the other is probably like psychologically. But I'll throw it back to you. I guess to I guess summarize. What are your thoughts on Julius's playoff performances, perform performance performances? I don't know. It's been multiple games. Whatever. But what are your thoughts on how he played in the playoffs and just moving forward? I mean, I think we had this conversation in the, in the last episode. But would you pay him? Mm-hmm. And just what do you expect in the playoffs next time he's he's playing? Right. Yeah. I mean. 
The playoffs were five games. He did play 72 other games when he played excellent, and he got the most wow. improved players. So I think just based off that, yeah, he's been the best player we've had since Melo, and he's won the award because he earned it, and he had exceptional numbers through the regular season. I know a lot of people say, oh, I forgot, I forgot which GM it was, but he said that it might have been Bob Myers um, who said that he judges players based off how they perform in the playoffs. And, you know, people see that quote and they, they retweet and they relate it to Julius. But I, I don't think that's really too fair on him. I think he shouldered a lot of New York City's expectations coming into the regular season. We saw in his Player Tribune article. And he learned from his mistakes from last year and turned it around and became a, a great player this season. Exactly. And I think... I think those five games are going to be a major learning experience for him. He'll he'll look back at the footage. He'll see exactly what he saw summer 2020 when he was looking back at his 2020 season, complaining to the refs nonstop, taking stupid shots, passing up open threes, and not finding the open man, and you know getting distracted by complaining to the refs all the time. Yeah. That's that's what we saw. So when you say that you saw 2019, 2020, Julius, that's exactly how he was playing. Yeah. I think when he looks back at the footage, when he realizes he made those mistakes, come playoff time next season, you know, God willing, we're back in the playoffs, and I think we have a pretty good shot at it. Um, he's going to learn from those mistakes. I mean, last season was the first time he was a leader. He didn't do a good job. He did a much better job this season. He became a leader, and he was that leader who had to take him into the playoffs, but he couldn't take him to that next level because, honestly, the, the rest of the team – you know their their abilities and their level of talent just doesn't quite match up to a lot of the Eastern playoff teams. I mean, objectively, the Hawks have a better team than the Knicks, just just off of talent level because the Knicks have a younger squad outside D Rose and Taj. So they're all learning. They're all going to get better. They're all going to work harder this season. I I would give him the bag. Throw throw the man the bag. He he did exactly what New Yorkers wanted from a player for years. Why throw that away? Why cut him? Why trade him? Randall absolutely fans. deserves it. People like, saying, yeah, just like, let I'm him not go. even gonna entertain. What? I'm not. Like, we're we're not even gonna entertain the idea here. That's the stupidest thing I heard. He is perfect to be. If not, he doesn't have to be the number one guy. He's 27 years old. He's basically entering his prime right now. Facts. And we saw what he could be. And hope. And if he played the level he played in the regular season in the playoffs, the Knicks would have won at least one to two more games. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I see That's it. why after our game two win, I was like, yo, it looks like Julius finally woke up and he learned how to adjust to the defense they're playing at him. It was temporary, you know what I mean? But I'm not going to pile on him, you know what I mean? Because, you know, he's got enough of that heat and he's self-aware, honestly, you know? It's good that, definitely. you know, as, as he said in the Players' Tribune, what caught me not only was that, like, he, he learned from his mistakes, but also, like, he mentioned it not even in that article, but just, Generally, he wants a coach that will hold him accountable and demand of him. You know what I mean, demand like him to improve. And he's gonna hear it all summer from not only Tibbs but probably Kenny Payne. You know what I mean? Like just texting him, calling him, like, "Yo, do you remember how you played in the Hawks series? Right? You gotta level up." You know what I mean? And he's still within that prime stage to like improve again. You know, I don't expect him to make another elite jump like this, but the tweaks to his game, he'll go from like All Star, All NBA caliber to you know what I mean, like better. You know what I mean? Like, he'll he'll become more savvy. He'll, like, actually, like, be able to kind of, you know, it's all mental now. It's about knowing and adjusting the playoff level cal- playoff level and playoff caliber defense, you know? And I think he'll be in the lab with Kenny Payne and shit. And, you know, like, this season with Tibbs is probably the first time all career, I think we touched on this before, that he had, like, a coach that's actually going to hold him accountable and is actually, like, a good coach. Because, like, he had Fisdale, Luke Walton, 
fucking, I don't know what other pile of shit that the Lakers had, but, you know, it wasn't good. Hmm. But, yeah, go ahead. I feel like you want to jump in. The, the self-aware thing is, is, is spot on because you think about players who are able to be put in a corner and work their ass off to become an even better player. You think of Kobe. You think of, honestly, I think back to the 2013 Spurs who were knocked out of the finals against the Heat, and then they sure. came back the next came season. They're like, fuck no. That shit is never going to happen, and they won the title that next season. Like, those are those are two prime examples I think of when I think of turnaround players. Kobe's number one. And then I think, if I had, if I need to think of another one quickly, I think of Randall this season who had a horrible season, turned it around. He has multiple games where he didn't play that well. And then he'll follow up with one of his best games. And he has proven to be that kind of player. And I'm very, as a Knicks fan, I'm, I'm so excited to see him come back next season. I want to see what he's going to be able to do. I, I want to see a guy who's going to push for, you know, all NBA second team or first team. You know, 27 isn't that isn't that old. He's he's just entering his prime right now. He's going to, be, he's going to be even better. And he got a squad full of guys who are all basically in line and saying the same exact thing. You saw R.J. Barrett's quote i don't have it on me but he's like i'm only 20 years old yeah. man we we're trying to get back into playoffs again and again iq was excited uh tibbs was excited everybody's on the same page where they felt humble to even be in that Facts. that kind of stage Facts. and ready to earn, own it next season and be like no now we deserve to be here now we have to be here we belong here they they believe in themselves and they're going to take it to that next level this season they weren't sure if it was going to happen and then midway into the season they realized their potential yeah. had that crazy nine and no run what won like what 14 or 15 games or some shit that's when they started really believing in themselves that's just that shit we can expect to happen from the start facts and of like the, of the next season we get out to rj and the young kids but just to kind of close out the, the convo by julius it's like i think with the contract conversation it needs to be established the people that don't want to pay him or the people that are even suggesting just like don't even pick up his option like yo go go eat a dick because like this free agency class is garbage i mean just absolute garbage so it just makes no sense. If you okay, I understand if you want to wait another season to at least see if you can perform to this level or better to give him that extension. But financially, it just makes more sense to offer the extension this summer, and he'll likely take it because you know it's been out there already. But like, if he takes the like, was it four years, one hundred six million? He'll be like a top forty. He'll be like the fortieth highest paid player in the league, and that's like yeah, number two, number two slash three option level money on a playoff contender, and I think that's. It's a this playoff series just kind of clarified that like you know we had the conversation about whether Julius was be, was a Batman. I said he'd be like a Nightwing, you know what I mean, which is like an upgraded Robin. It's like a number two option, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think that's clear. I, I I'm like, and nobody expected Julius go, especially going to the season. Like we don't need to talk about that, but like even just like nobody expected like what he was doing in the playoffs. Mad respect. Oh, not playoffs. What he was doing in the regular season. Mad respect. But like nobody was thinking like, oh, okay, he's like. You know what I mean? Fuck Kawhi or fuck Dame. We got Julius. You know what I mean? Like, nah, if we were to get another all-star, superstar caliber player like that, obviously Julius would fall in line and be like the second option to them. And I think that's that's ideal. You know what I mean? And our second option now, you see the smooth segue, RJ, obviously. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on his, on his playoff performance? Because, you know, I mean, it wasn't good. But I generally saw some positive things to take away. But I wanted to hear your thoughts first. It wasn't that good. But I liked what I saw from a budding all-star player mm. who, who wants to take that next step. He's Again, we're always going to say he's only 20 years old, and he's he's made such a leap from last season to this season. He's an exceptional shooter now. We didn't really see it in the playoffs. Again, playoffs are a different kind of game, but it was only five games. 
And last last game he played 40 minutes, 5-14, 17 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. He's that kind of player who has that two-way potential. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to really dive in and break out our top three favorite moments. RJ was one of one of mine. Yeah, just um, generally how he played this season. Generally, yeah, generally. <laughs> Generally, I saw a guy who, at points when it seemed like all those all hope was lost, he was taking the ball in aggressively and trying to be that guy who's gonna take that step and you know get the game going. Like there, the team just looked so sluggish, and it was either Rose who made a play to try to get some momentum going, or it was RJ. He had the best dunk of the of the series, and he had some you know bad moments where he shot one of six. He shot two of six the last game, but the confidence is there. The potential is there, and you know I was kind of hoping we'd see him on Trey Young a little bit more, mm. um, but it was more so Reggie, and, or you know I, I was hoping to see them do some switches so Trey Young was on RJ more because he seemed like to be he seemed like the only player who was willing to post up Trey and make him work on on D. Uh, we saw a couple of times in Game One and Game Two. We didn't really see it again. Um, but I think overall, if I had to give him a rating, I'd give him like a like a B minus. In the playoffs or in the the season on the in the playoffs, the playoffs. I'll give him like a C plus, but that's only because I think RJ is not the type you want to coddle. You know what I mean? He knows the harshness of like you know he saw the harshness of like not even making the all rookie team. He went in mm-hmm. and put the work in. You know what I mean? And I think this is you know I think him and like Julius are cut from the same cloth. I think RJ even more so. He's a little bit more. Like, RJ, you could see, like, I, I could project realistically he could become that alpha. I know there are some people even still out there right now that are even skeptical of that. They're, like, they have changed the tune a little. There are Knicks fans out there that were, like, skeptical of RJ after last year. They fell into that mainstream kind of perception of him. But they kind of don't even see that he could probably keep exp- exponentially improving. Because, like, like he said in his playoff, like, post-conference, or pay, uh, post-playoff press conference, he's only 20 years old, you know what I mean? Like... And the very fact that, like, we have a, a top three, like, building block, top three pick building block that we drafted, and within his second season, he got playoff, valuable playoff minutes after contributing to a playoff caliber team as a second option, that does a lot for a playoff player's growth. And, it like, mm-hmm. the same way, it kind of, like, the playoffs clarified what Julius's kind of standing should be in our team, I think it clarified to RJ, I mean, he already knows what his weaknesses are, but he, it clarifies to him what he needs to do even after seeing, like, you know, that eye-opening playoff kind of defense and atmosphere because he, you know, he'll, like, he mentioned it, I think we mentioned it on another pod, but, like, him and Drew Hamlin know that he needs to work on his off-the-dribble three game, not just being yep. a stop, spot of three game, but and also his finishing. And I think that'll come, you know what I mean? And, bro, it's just, I think it's just dope that he did get that experience, that playoff experience, because, like, it was a time when, like, we had, like, like right before RJ, like, the Knox, Frank, you know, era, where we just, like, yo, we just want him to get minutes in the regular season, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Credit to Tibbs for, like, believing in RJ and, like, putting him out there. And, yeah, there were moments during the regular season and even during the playoffs where he wasn't on the floor in the crunch time. But I think even that is a lesson in itself. You know what I mean? He said, okay, I need to be better at XYZ for me to actually be on the court during these crunch time moments. And at that point, it was just like, I need to become probably more fluid of a ball handler. I need to be, like, you know I mean, better finisher at the rim. I need to kind of, like, at least, like, hit my shots more often because, like, there were some frustrating open looks that RJ would miss in the playoffs. I was like, ah, you know what I mean? He made those all season, especially, you know, during some hot moments in for the team. And with RJ, it's like, I think if we do get, like, you know, 
we're gonna get to the offseason but if we do get like a big fish or somebody that can at least like kind of change the pecking order I think even with RJ going out to a number three role, that's going to be huge. Because we saw with just like having somebody like D-Rose out there, an actual threat at point guard. Not even like, you know, D-Rose, he could pass now. He's a little more savvy with it. But he's not like a pass-first guy. He's not like a crazy elite playmaker like that. His passing is a compliment to like what he brings as a scorer. But even with his presence out there made it easier for RJ, like in the minutes they would play together. You know what I mean? Having that secondary creator out there. So I think if we were to bring in like a point guard, you know, point guard X Y Z, some options this summer, that are both free agents or not, you know what I mean? Um, play out on the West Coast, play you know, red and black jersey. I mean, we'll get to that, but um, hmm. you know, if that were to happen, like shit, you know what I mean? Like that's, I mean, I don't know if RJ would be here in that scenario. I don't know. We'll get to that, but I just think, we'll get to it. yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, like the playoff performance was rough, but it's a gift and a curse. I feel like it's a lesson for him, and he'll. He'll get better, and you know our most recent curse part. The curse being the fact that like he performed so bad. You know what I mean I would have liked we would have. You know what I mean it's how like Trey Young was in his um first playoff series right, and he balled the fuck out. So I would have loved to have seen RJ come in and elevate his game, um, and it didn't happen. And that's 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 the curse part. But with um our other lotto pick though, like I'm happy as shit for Obi, bro. Like our most recent lotto pick, bro. Like. What's your take on just Obi going to the offseason and, like, what you saw from the playoffs? I mean, thank God he balled out because now we know we have something. Facts. <laughs> we facts. weren't sure. We weren't sure this season if we are going to get anything with Obi. Um, and he was only – he was going to be, what, 24 coming into next season at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was good to see him finally be able to take on the role and not show – Basically, not have another Kevin Knox is is the way I'm gonna put it. Cause Kevin Knox has uh, most of the time looked very shaky and not confident. But and Obi at points in the season looked lost yeah. on the court. And how awesome was it to see Obi Toppin, our rook, not shy away from the spotlight and actually embrace it and want those lops, try to do a dribble and drive, take those three pointers with confidence. We see and we've watched every Knicks game, so we've we've expected certain things from Obi where he'll pass up the open three and he'll not be able to dribble or he'll commit turnovers or make super high high arc three point shots. His three point shot looks a lot better. It's not it's not it wasn't very high arcing as we've seen it before. They weren't all rainbow shots. Um but I'm excited to see what Obi can do. I mean, it's when you go through Knicks Twitter and you just see it from like I don't know, February to now, you see people like, oh, no, we can't trade Obi now. <laughs> like, people are just like, yo, cut Obi, this kid sucks. Oh my goodness, and now God. they're like, yo, no Obi's patience. a god. No he patience. needs to stay. <laughs> no, don't trade Obi for Dame Lillard. We need Obi. It's like, it, like shit like that. It's just, that's 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 a whole other story on how Nick's Twitter is. And again, that's that's why we started this podcast. Yeah. Um, not because of the Knicks, but because of <laughs> the Knicks fans who don't know what they're talking about. But yeah. I, I like seeing what Obi can do. I'm happy with IQ. And we'll get to him later, but I mean, we can talk about um, it now because, like, I feel like we want we want to talk about our favorite parts of the season. I feel like IQ is my like we mentioned RJ's growth, IQ just kind of showing out, improving that like, like I, like to be fair on our we were on the with the shout out to MBK we were on the like the, the live draft show, and when IQ got picked there was some silence, but I was I was just like what, <laughs> I was just like was that a mistake? Who? You know what I mean? I was just like that's the first thing that came out of my mouth. I was like shocked because every mock draft. Had him as like a late second round, even on draft, or maybe even early second round pick. And IQ, the petty like little uh, like young dude that he is, he posted like a tweet with the picture of the the D plus grade, and the very fact mm-hmm. that like 
he proved those people wrong. He proved Knicks fans wrong because we were just like, you know, we had our preferences in terms of like the the late twenties. Like I wanted Desmond Bain. Like I thought, I mean, and yeah, you know, Desmond. I want to pat myself on the back. Desmond Bain was killing it for the Grizzlies this this year. Like elite shooter, kid is block as hell, can like D up. But I'm happy with IQ because what he brings, what his potentially could bring, and we saw it in the season multiple minutes. But like that off the dribble three game, like the threat as a as a as a as a like a combo guard, point guard that can actually score. How often do we have that? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm glad that that's one of my favorite parts of the season. Like, I feel like you'd agree, obviously, right? Like, I feel like it goes 100%. hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's me personally. My favorite thing about players who play for the Knicks is once they show the confidence and the grit. It's not even about. I mean, obviously, talent level is extremely important, but once they show that grit and confidence to, in an, in a New York Knicks uniform. It it's it may, it's leaps and bounds different. That's why people start feeling Obi Toppin a little bit more because he's like fuck. He's he's ready to take those those you know those lobs and make impact. IQ to be that brazen to shoot the three from ten feet from the arc in game one of his first playoff games as a rookie. That's beautiful and he makes those shots. And I think that's why you know Knicks fans really resonate with him because he has that he has that confidence and you know. Objectively, he didn't really have a good series. Uh, a lot of turnovers, yeah. a lot of you know misses, and he should have played a little bit better at, at as a point guard. But um, I think just seeing on the court that he's willing to take those shots, he's willing to put up those floaters and drive into the basket and pick up fouls the way Trey Young does. That's you know he he's basically years ahead of what we thought he could be. Back. And you know shout out to to my boy Yasin because earlier in the season when we drafted. Um, IQ, I mentioned to you that he and I had a bet going because he's like, nah, man, I watch every game of Kentucky. This kid, it sucks. He's going to turn over every every possession. We, we we had a big bet on it. He's like, in three years or four years, I forgot what it was. I got to look back on it. He's like, this kid's not going to be in the NBA. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that bet. No, I, I trust I trust Kenny Payne. I thought you were I about to give your Knicks. boy credit. Nah, I'm putting him on blast. I dig it. I dig the petty. <laughs> no, IQ I'm, would be proud. I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving credit because he's going to give me a nice steak dinner. That's what it's going to be. That's what's up, yo. I hope you get some nice size with that, you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about IQ, though. Talk about being brazen. I feel like he wasn't brazen enough in the playoffs up until, like, game five. And I think it was that little run. We were down, like, double digits. But it was that little run we kind of made, like, a little mini comeback in, like, the fourth mm. or, like, late third. I, don't, I don't, vaguely don't remember. But it was, like, IQ, obviously, doing IQ things. He had, like, some nice stops. He forced a turnover. And he did, like, he had, like, a three. Yeah. Like, a layup. Mm-hmm. Obi had like a nice putback, I think it was. Like it was like him and him and Obi really kind of like spurred a little mini mini run. And obviously the Hawks squashed that because bam, I was demoralizing. But yeah, I mean, I I dig the fact that he was kind of like he would take those shots, but there were moments it was frustrating because like yo, we know you're an elite shooter, shoot it. You know what I mean? It was even yeah. Tibbs said it. He was like early on in the season, he's like he just needs to shoot and not hesitate. And he would like he would pump fake. He pass it around. I think he was just trying to be like the good rookie, the good young player. He's like, nah, I don't want to piss off my vets by taking this. But like, nah, next season, yo, let that shit fly. Like, <laughs> like I remember um, here. when uh with tips at Jimmy in Chicago, right? Like he barely played him, and then the next season he played him mad minutes. He let him, he trusted him to be a stopper. And the third season, he trusted Jimmy to like bring the ball up, be a scorer, do what he wanted on offense. And if, like, IQ is allowed to do all this now, and if, like, Tibbs believes in, like, a progression of responsibility on these young players, bro, next season he might just be letting that shit fly from, like, half court. <laughs> and Tibbs will be like, yo, good shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
he could be the starting point guard. Facts. That's that he he could do that, and he could be Trey Young. I mean, what skill set does Trey Young have that IQ hasn't shown already? Um, elite passing. Uh, maybe passing. Yeah, elite passing. Yeah, passing is a big one. Being passing, able to uh, I, I, get into I, I might I might have said that a little. Uh, I might have said that a little too quickly there. You're right. You're right. Oh, Finishing shit. capability. Orlando would you find their coach. <laughs> oh, that? Yeah. What? I mean, Steve Clifford. their coach is good. They just have a shitty lineup, and they have injuries. Bro, Steve Clifford, we got we got an assistant spot open because Mike Woodson left. Steve Clifford and Ed Tibbs got the connection. They were part of the Van Gundy. Hey, Come yo. to New York, dog. Come on now. Help us build. He might go to, he might go to Portland, though. Who knows? Uh, nah, we'll, we'll get to Dame Lillard I mean, in a sec. Ripu could touch on the Dame Lillard mentioned. He called it out like specifically he wants Jay Kidd or Chauncey. So, That's I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah, we we'll talk about that yeah. later. But like, yeah, shit, Steve Clifford, man, come through. You, you and your boy Tibbs. Like, mm. if Tibbs gets tired of yelling, we just put T- Steve Clifford there. He'll yell some more. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> um, anyway, I just got distracted. But shit, what was the last thing you said? Because like, there's Woj um, bomb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I made us. I made a pretty dumb. I was just like, oh, what what skill does Trey Young have that I can't? Oh, yeah, have? yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank God we, we named like five. You saved your ass. <laughs> um, but right, no, we'll, I get you general we'll, optimism, I'll, though. I'll ask the same question next season, and then yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's a lot less. I like the general optimism because, I mean, before IQ, I feel like the one late-round pick that we had that kind of like exceeded blue expectations away was obviously Mitch, right? So IQ doing this as a 25th overall pick was a surprising one. And shout out to World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. You know what I mean? Like, he was the one that mm-hmm. apparently, like, was yelling at folks in the draft room, like, yo, we need IQ. He knows he's from Kentucky. He knows how to play tough. You know what I mean? So, damn, I, who knew? Who knew the guy that has, like, is cool with so many elite superstar basketball players actually knows some ball? Shit, man. Like, who would have thunk it? Um, but, yeah, I guess, obviously, RJ's girls, IQ just showing out, blowing away expectations were two our respective favorite moments. But, like, you got a third one, kind of, like, wrap up not only just, like, the playoffs, but also just, like, the season as a whole. What are, like, what's, like, your third favorite moment? Um, well, just looking at, our, at the list I made before we started, uh, Randall was one. We, we already discussed that. RJ, two-way potential. We kind of touched on that. Honestly, my third favorite moment, it's not really just a <clears> – <throat> Not really a a big kind of topic or anything like that. I really love Frank's stare at the camera that one game in March 2021. You know exactly yeah. which stare I'm talking about. It was just like, oh shit, Frankie is back. He's gonna be playing every game. Sorry, point guard. He 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 can score. Tis finally sees it. Um, but no, I mean since then he's probably played like a total of five minutes. Um, but no, I I just really like that moment. It was it. Frank is one of those guys who have been here since 2017, longest tenured Nick right now. And I know, you know, a lot of Knicks fans hope that he he's the first guy in a long time to get re-signed from his rookie contract. I was kind of emotional when I don't they know. showed a clip of him cleaning out his locker. And I feel like that happens every offseason, but I feel like it was more significant this this, this time <laughs> around. It might be his last time, bro. The fields. That, that, could, that, that might have been strategic there. Might use that picture again. <laughs> might recycle it later. <laughs> but um, <laughs> let, me get, get it, let me get into my petty to kind of like model myself out of IQ. My third favorite moment and part of this season was just the disintegration of the of, of, of a one seven foot three latvian i mean his, his reputation mm. and just like his standing because bro we personally hand up i'll take the foul <laughs> like like two years ago when the trade happened i was like damn bro they got luca and kp that's like an upgraded version of dirk and steve nash i don't know what the fuck i was thinking like you know what i mean like now he just looks like <laughs> yeah. 
Like those of you that are old enough to remember, y'all remember Gumby, the elastic dude. You know what I mean? I was like, like, he, <laughs> yeah. like fucking poor thing is his Gumby Steve Novak now. <laughs> I mean, like, he's Mr. Fantastic is why Mr. Fantastic decided to stay at one stretched out height. You know what I mean? <laughs> shout, out, shout out to the MCU homies. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess that was the biggest thing because like last night was hilarious. So you, like those. Those of you that are going to be listening to this, we're recording this a day after Kawhi and Luca had a showdown, and Kawhi just put on a show, but damn, Porzingis not only had front row seats, but he had a good angle, because he tall as shit, so he's getting a bird's eye view of the show, you know what I mean? Like, Yo. <laughs> he saw Kawhi cooking, he's like, <laughs> like balcony seats at a Broadway Yo. show. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah. Just to be those are the quick. those are them thirty million dollar seats. Yo, like shout out to Trill Withers of the the former mixtape podcast, one of the goat podcasts. This man was saying Porzingis is out there getting thirty million dollar cardio in, like, and I, I'm worried about get, like I'm like thinking like a Peloton is too expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yo, that's the Tim Hardaway trade now because I mean it's contract year. Tim Hardaway, he always cooks in his contract year when he wants to get the bag. Sure. But he's just been cooking like in comparison to KP. And I know KP will probably bring some stuff on defense, but he ain't as good as a defender as he was before all these injuries. You know what I mean? Like, that much is clear. You know what I mean? And people keep talking about, like, I'm going on a whole Porzingis rant, but, like, it's okay. Season in review. Like, get some mm-hmm. shots in after a demoralizing playoff loss. But people talk about, like, yo, Porzingis needs to post up more. Bro, they could literally switch anybody no matter what various heights. You could be, like, 6'5", 6'8", 6'2". Porzingis can't get a bucket on them posting up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's wrong with this dude. Like, he has no core strength. Like, it's like his his, his big brother slash agent is like, yo, we need to get you broad. Let's go in and do some bicep curls. Like, <laughs> go do some core exercise. Do something, man. I don't know what it is. Like, anyway. I swear he was trying to he was trying to post a Rondo for a player or two. He couldn't, he couldn't get it done. Right? It was six like. Foot, well, six foot one Rondo. Can't. Versus seven foot three Porzingis, just just shoot over him. He doesn't even have to post him out. Just shoot over him, and he still can't do it. No, because he can't shoot over him because it's like it's too rough for him. Is it? <laughs> he's just getting <laughs> he's getting bodied up. He's like, no, ew, it, it hurts. He he swears he's not one of them soft Europeans that came in. I, I still remember his quote for when he got drafted. He's like, yo, all these people think European big men are these soft guys. I'm not like one of these guys. And now we got a soft European seven foot three little shithead. Yeah. Dallas. He's like a he's a corner three point shooter now. Like what is going on? Um, he's a seven foot three shooting guard. I feel bad for Luca, bro. I really do. Um, cause like at the end of the last night, it was so obvious Luca was gassed. I don't know we're just going into a whole different topic, but we'll go back to the next. But it was so obvious he was so gassed, and he just he just needs that second option that could carry the load a bit. Cause Timmy's Timmy is a good shooter. In fact, he's somebody that does not give a shit about. He has no conscience out there. He's like J.R. Smith. <laughs> throw that shit up from he anywhere. Learned, he learned from J.R. Smith. His, oh, his shit. Yeah, season. that's true. That's true. That's where, that's where he picked that shit up from. Yes, yeah, so I just hope Luca. they get him a good second option and they could just like get rid of that Albatross contract. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yo, speaking of devil, I'm on our Twitter, right? I'm just like, the first tweet I see is like somebody having a clip of uh, a fucking KP trying to post up like Kawhi and he just breaks yo. the shit out of it. It's the first clip I see, I swear to God. <laughs> um,. Hey, yeah, back to the Knicks, I guess. I want to touch on offseason a bit because I know we're going to wrap up in a little bit. But yeah, big rumor came out yesterday. I mean, Ian Bagley, the most reliable guy on the Knicks beat, put out a report that the Knicks had called Portland about Dame. Um, and he did have some other tidbits, but that was the main thing. And, you know, 
the Portland season ended, and they just got rid of their coach yesterday, Terry Stotts, who credit to mm-hmm. him for actually almost damn near a decade, like, you know, turn Portland respectable with Dame. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a big major Knicks Twitter topic, just how much would we be willing to give up for Dame? Um, is it the right time for a Dame trade? Um, I know you're the bigger, you much bigger Dame fan of us two, not to say that I don't think he's a great player, but let me throw it on. What are your thoughts on Dame Lillard to the Knicks and, you know, etc.? It's it, it's a little tough to figure out which direction I want to go because Dame is actually one of my favorite players to watch. I think I just love his personality. I love everything that he's done since, you know, he, he joined the Blazers. It really started off that game winner against the Rockets. The moment I saw that, I was just like, fuck, this, this kid is good. And he was like 24 at the time, and he's 31 now. And just uh, just the kind of player that he is, he kind of reminds me of Russell Westbrook. I, I like Russell Westbrook a lot too, ironically, uh, as they both, you know, they have history. I would love to have Dame Lillard on the team. I think he's the kind of player that would be perfect for the Knicks, a guy who's capable of dishing out the ball but shooting from anywhere on the court, like literally anywhere on the court. And he's a, he's a killer. He's a closer. That's just something that the Knicks don't have. Randall is not a closer. Mm. D Rose, you know, he's past that point where he could be a closer, game in and game out. And RJ's not ready yet, or maybe he will be next season. But that's a different point. Right, right. Dame Lillard has that history and the pedigree of being a superstar. I, it the only thing that's kind of making me hesitate is that he is thirty one years old. You know, and his style of play works for a thirty one, thirty two year old. But I think, you know, with the combination of him being 31 and the fact that his contract ends, I think, next season. Or what is his contract? And I was looking at it earlier today. I think he started an extension um, like one or two years ago. And it was like a big he? show about like, oh, I'm committed. Because I, I think it was like when KP, not KP, fucking KD was still on the Warriors. And like he made a big like thing about like, oh, I'm, I'm loyal. I don't need to. I mean, that's his brand now. Zach Lowe started he, on his podcast. That's like his brand now. Okay. Loyal to one team. 20, you know what I mean? 24-25 is when it ends. So, you know, he, he's here till 24-25. That's, uh, what, four years? So he'll be about 34, 35 at, at that point. Um, it, it depends on what else can happen. I want to see how this Mavericks and Clippers series is going to go. Uh, if they lose, I think... You know, a lot of people speculate that Kawhi is probably going to be a free agent. And if he is a free agent, if the Knicks do have some foreign chance to get him, I think at that point we might, we, we're going to want to have to pull the trigger on Dame Lillard and get him here with Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, there are a lot of pieces we're talking about. But if there's no guarantee on Kawhi Leonard and we can pull the trade without losing Mitch or RJ, which probably isn't possible. Yeah. Um, Got to give up at least If we one. can do it with any combination of picks and OB and quickly and keep RJ and Mitch – I'll I'll 100% do it, but if we got to give up one of those one of those two guys, it might be worth not making the trade and seeing what what this team can become. Because I think this team w- was a fourth seed team without Mitch being there for half the season. They could be, you know, a third seed team next season with the same squad and just do their their upgrades on role players. Yeah, and starters. incremental upgrades, and you know we we got one yeah. point guard in the bag, not just IQ, but Luca Veldosa. I feel like he's gonna be part of the rotation. Excuse me, he's gonna have like the, the off season to get up speed. From the scouting reports I read, I haven't really seen much, but like I read a little bit. He's, he's a shooter, he's a playmaker, but he's not really a breakdown defense, get in the paint kind of guy. You know what I mean? So we need that guy, and like Dame would fill that, obviously. My thing about this Dame conversation, if I go back to an episode we had at Nick's at night, um, when we were, yeah, when we had uh, Uncle Fulio on, 
And I was like talking about a hypothetical, like, yo, like the only time I would trade every young player we have in our assets is like if Kawhi wants to come and he's like, no, give me an all-star and he wants Bradley Beal and Bradley Beal, you could trade for him. Now you just take away, take Bradley Beal, add Bradley Beal out the equation. Now it's Dame, you know what I mean? So if like that hypothetical comes up, that's when I would do it, you know what I mean? Because then now you got your two alphas, you got Kawhi who, yo, last night he still got it, bro. Like there were people out there that that were trying to say like he's in a decline. Please, please stop. Please, like, Kawhi is a basketball cyborg. And I love watching this game so much. The way you are with Dave, I love Kawhi just because it's like, if, literally, it's like if somebody fucking just downloaded, like, old school MJ's game, put yep. it in a USB drive, and just stuck it in a cyborg. That's Kawhi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what it looks like. And it's just so fucking beautiful. And to be able to have that with Dame complimenting him and vice versa, bro, that would be crazy. And we're talking pipe dreams, but, yo, it's not like... I mean, it's still wishful thinking at the end of the day, but it's not like the kind of level of extent of wishful thinking that it used to be in the past. Because we were going into the summer of 2019, we're like, yeah, we've been absolute ass, but we're in New York, and these stars will come. And it might have happened. I'm going to go down to the end of my last breath thinking if KD didn't destroy his Achilles, he would have been a Nick with Kyrie. You know what I mean? Let me throw a quick hypothetical because I, I agree with your point. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be worth it. I think that right there obviously is going to be a title contender. But let's say we're also in the running for Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard, and we don't have to make trades. So mm. would you rather make the trades and lose one of RJ or Mitch? I don't think we have to give up both. We're going to definitely have to give up at least one and combination of picks Obi and quickly for Dame or try to sign Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard to big you know, th- say three-year contracts each. So that's the thing. Like, ideally, whatever situation keeps RJ and or Mitch here, I'm going I'm to go with that. So if, okay. if it's Lowry and Kawhi that want to come here together and Kawhi, for some reason, like, is sick of PG and wants to come to New York and, you know what I mean, try to, like, you know, handle the conference here, the Eastern Conference, I'm, I'm all the way with it. Like, because I like, I love Lowry's game. My only hesitancy is just his age. And I saw Chris. That's why I said that's why I added the three years. Yeah, and then one year would be too easy. I mean, three years and maybe hope maybe the last year is a, a team option, but I doubt it because he's gonna have so many suitors, Lowry. Yep. But then even the point guard market, the old old head point guard market is gonna be flooded because you got Lowry, you got Conley, and then CP3 news just came out. He's gonna decline his option, which I didn't think he would do. But the only time I thought he would do it is when we were actually having the Chris Paul to the Knicks debate last year. I was like, hey. Maybe he declines and he comes back for cheaper. You know what I mean? Because he likes Leon Rose. Now it's like the whole CP3 conversation just got fast-forwarded a year. He's a year older. You know what I mean? And we saw what he did with Phoenix. But I'd be down for CP3 on the roster. I, he, he wants apparently three years, 100 mil. Hell no. I don't know about that. Like, that's you mm-hmm. got to really think about that. Um, I'm off the Dennis Schroeder thing. Like, I just... Like, no, I'm glad. Like his oh, game, his <laughs> that was in the that was in the episode that was missing. So you want to make a quick? Uh, yeah, I was like kind of like I wasn't advocating for it, but I said I wouldn't be mad. But then like you find out that this motherfucker is just like a dickhead that like he's an anti-vaxxer and two he wanted oh. more touches on a team with AD and LeBron. Like get the fuck out. Like like if if it was literally hit a player with his game without the personality and the baggage. Honestly, that'll be a good fit, but there's not nobody out there like that because I feel like he had a good combo of youth, um, untapped upside a little bit, and the game complimenting our guys. But let me throw something back at you. What if? Because like Damon is is in a kind of unique situation where it's not like Harden, where Harden had like maybe a year or two left on his contract. Damon has a few more years. 
but Harden had the leverage, and he had so much kind of reputation with the Houston Rockets that they did him the goodwill of trading him to his number one destination, you know what I mean, Brooklyn, you know what I mean? And I feel like the Philly stuff, like, in retrospect, was probably just a leverage play, you know what I mean? But with Dame, I feel like if he wants to go somewhere, and he's been so deathly loyal to Portland and what he's done for that franchise and that city, he goes to the owner, and he gives him, like, the number one team he wants to go to. And I'm not saying it's going to be the Knicks, but if it is the Knicks or if it's, like, Miami or whatever, I think Portland will do whatever it takes to work with that team to get Dame there and get a good package on their end. And if that's the case, I feel like, Portland, their owner is actually fucking Paul Allen, the motherfucker, the, the Microsoft money guy. You know what I mean, he's got Microsoft money too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Paul Allen family, they own the Seahawks as well. But regardless, I think if, because Portland's a small market, they don't really get free agents like that. But if they're in that kind of situation, do they want youth back? Because this is just me trying to rationalize, not trying to include RJ in the trade. And I most realistically, we're going to need to include RJ. But if we could throw them Randall, <laughs> you know what I mean? Randall, um, I don't know, IQ, all our picks that we have available, XYZ, and manage to keep RJ and Mitch in there. We get Dame in, sign Kawhi. That's a nice lineup, bro. I don't know how feasible it is. I haven't looked at the cap machinations and the fucking, the, uh, the, all the moving parts, but I don't know, because like that, that'll be what, like, it'll kind of keep Portland competitive. They got picks for the future. They got Randall and CJ to kind of like, you know, hold it down in the short term. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you brought up CJ as somebody that we could maybe pursue as a good compliment to RJ, and he is a good compliment. So now it would be that situation, but, like, not on the Knicks, but in Portland. You know what I mean? But I just don't want to, like, us to blow our load on Dame. And he's an elite player. Pause. You know what I mean? I, pause. Yeah, pause. I don't want that to happen unless you, we got another guy in the bag. And the ideal kind of order of operation should be we sign a guy, you know what I mean, and then trade for his co-star. Not trade for a co-star and hope somebody comes. You know what I mean? So unless you think Dame and Julius is a championship core, and unless you get a third guy in there, I don't think that's a championship core. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about you. I mean, I mean, it, I don't know. So what's the question? No, I'm not asking a question. I'm just kind of responding to what you said about just, like, the whole okay. Dame thing. Yeah, but um, let me actually come up with a question. Like, would you pursue Dame over Bradley Beal? Beal's a little younger. And he has less money on his uh, contract, so he might have more leverage, a.k.a. we might be able to... Like, I feel like it would cost a lot to get both, but I feel like we might be able to, like, not include as much for Beal because he has, like, a shorter contract and he has more leverage in terms of, like, forcing his way out. Even though, apparently, he doesn't want to. I don't know why. Like, I mean, I'm here in D.C. He's not that dope. <laughs> to answer your question, I'd probably... I mean, if we're talking about similar trade packages for both, um, just, let's say no matter what it is, if I had to choose between a trade package between Dame and Beal, I'd probably rather go for Dame because he plays a point guard. I mean, Beal plays that kind of <clears throat> two-way. I mean, he doesn't really play two-way too much. He, he he's a he's a bona fide scorer. He's he's a walking bucket is is what Beal is. Mm. And you know, Dame Lillard is able to dish the ball, score at an extremely high level, just as high as Bradley Beal is. Um, and he's a, he's a closer. He's a winner, and that's why Portland's been in the playoffs year in year out. Without really, they, they haven't really had that good of a squad. If you think about it. the last nine years, I think I don't know. If, I don't know how many times they missed the playoffs. Maybe once uh, they missed the playoffs, but they've overachieved mostly because of Dame Lillard. I mean, yeah. they haven't really signed any big name free agents. They haven't uh, made any you know monster trades. C.J. McCollum is a homegrown talent. 
But he's um, not like a co-star. You know what I mean, he's uh, he's like a step below what a number two option should be for a championship right, team. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they haven't been able to make that get that guy exactly. or make any trades to help him. Nurkic was probably their best trade that they made in the yeah. last ten years. And their defense they had has Marcus... consistently been inconsistent. I just want to throw that in there too. They never really had a good defense, but yeah, throwback. Right, to... but yet they're somehow in the playoffs every year. It seems like in the West, but the Wizards haven't really been. They they barely made the playoffs this season because they have Russell Westbrook on the team. Um, and, you know, obviously John Wall has been injured, you know, here and there, but the Wizards aren't known to be a winning team, and Beal's been on that team for a while. I just think Lillard is the better player than Beal. That's why I'd rather just go for him if I had to choose between the two. I, I dig that, but I think the thing about, like, kind of the difference in, like, um, play playmaking caliber, I mean, we saw Julius is like a, a point forward now. RJ's got the point forward kind of chops too. I feel like Beal got that he's, he's become well-rounded in his game to the point where he's a playmaker as well and i feel like those three can kind of like you know co like uh, coexist like that and be a benefit but then it's also a question of whether who's we gonna can... handle yeah go ahead. who would handle the ball in that scenario you know who would be bringing up the ball and it who could would be either way i mean it's like how julius would bring up the ball most of the time this season you know what i mean like and elf would but elf would just pass up julius i mean it's the same way how like the Clippers right now kind of work with just PG and Kawhi. I mean, they don't their point guard rotation is like garbage and less garbage and like a, a bit of a bit of trash mixed in. You know what I mean? Like they're relying on two like playmaking wings, and I think our situation in this hypothetical of like Julius Beal, I think Julius and Beal have showed more playmaking than either PG or Kawhi have. And I love Kawhi's game, but he's a scorer first rather than like a, a passer playmaker type. But that's in a situation where we get to keep RJ in a hypothetical Beal trade, and I don't think that would happen. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. Either way, I want to call out to RJ, and we have cap space for a reason, and that's the thing. People, I saw people shitting on the Knicks, like, oh, they got mad cap space in the summer where there's no free agents. We had mad cap space last summer, too. You, you could literally roll it over. You don't need to use it in one summer. You could use it for trades. You could get assets. We got Brock Aller. He's probably scheming different ways to like get us three second-round picks. And Ed Davis again somehow. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, and we, don't, we haven't even talked about the picks. And we have plenty of episodes, you know, leading up to a draft where we can come up with hypotheticals. The Knicks have three, what, three first-round picks? No, two first-round picks, a high second-rounder, first round and like a late yeah. second-rounder. Four picks. Right, so we have four picks. So we can put that together, get a higher pick, or put it together, make a trade. There's so many options this season. I don't know if it was a um, legit report I saw. It may have been Bagley, too, but he was talking – I think it was – it was definitely somebody legit, and we could wrap up after this, but it, was, it caught my eye. It was like the Knicks might combine the two picks, the two first-rounders, to go into the late lotto, and I would dig that because, first of all, yeah. Tibbs hesitates to play multiple young players anyway. So we get one like high-level rookie in as opposed to two. I'm with that, you know what I mean? But, yeah, throwback to you if you want to like wrap it up for us. and you know, I feel like this was a good eulogy for our season. You know what I mean? Like We, we touched on a, on a good bit, and... Yo, shout out to the Knicks, man. Like, yo, hats off to, to at least, Knicks. like, dead ass, Like, giving us something to be happy about after it's kind of rough year that everybody had, especially New York City and New Yorkers. You know what I mean? Like, that that is immeasurable. And I hate the people that are trying to clown us. You can't clown the Knicks for, like, literally being shit for so long and then clown us again when we overachieved. That don't make any fucking sense. We're, like, the mm-hmm. only squad that could get shit for overachieving. Like, go eat a dick, bro. Like, that shit is... Pissed me off to no end, but yeah, I'll throw like, it back ha, to you. Yeah, they're like, ha, y'all didn't overachieve enough. Right? <laughs> like, what kind of, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, shout out to the Knicks. I'm feeling optimistic. I mean, obviously I was bummed that they couldn't win a couple of more games out of the first series and make it to the second round, but I don't think anybody expected what we got this season. I'm very happy to see what we have. People think that 
the Knicks don't have a core because D Rose got the second most minutes in the playoffs, and so did Taj get like the you know the third mo- biggest impact on the team or whatever. That's not really the case. We have a core team. We have a lot of young players. We have plenty of cap space. We have plenty of trades that we can do. Plenty of draft picks. We're it's it's awesome to say that the Knicks are headed in a good direction. I'm hoping this decade is a decade where we see a lot of progress and a lot of you know W's coming up. And I and I, and I think it's fair to say that we can expect a similar kind of season next season with the Knicks as this season, a fourth seed, fifth seed kind of team. Um, gritty and you know making it hard for every team that plays against them and the garden's gonna be popping every game like it always is um any last words for this 2020 2021 knicks team um usually i'd say like in our past like you know closing episodes of a season we'd say like oh now it's the knicks time to shine it's our season now it's the off season Nah, bro, we're like a regular team now. It's like, this is just the offseason. You know what I mean? Now I, I'm actually pining for Knicks basketball to get back. I want to see the same squad hoop. You know what I mean? And an upward trajectory seems foreign to us, but I'm happy that, like, we can actually maybe, like, you know, like you said, hopefully this is the decade for us. You know what I mean, the 2020s, it's been long enough. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. again, shout out to the Knicks. And, yo, shout out to Tibbs, bro. Like, this was his dream job, and he fulfilled a lot of Knicks fans' dreams this season. You know what I mean? Let's keep it going. Uh, for those of you guys listening, we appreciate you making it to this point of the episode. Please follow us on all podcasting platforms, and please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nick is Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, and keep on with the episodes, man. We we got a lot more coming up. We got the Knicks draft coming up um, in a couple of months, and we'll talk about the playoffs. You know, this is an NBA podcast. It's not just a Knicks podcast. Mm-hmm. There are plenty. There's plenty of more basketball left this season. We we're, we're basketball fans. We're not just Knicks fans. So. Uh, plenty, plenty more to talk about. We'll see what the storylines are, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy the shows. Um, until next time, take care, everyone. Peace.